Hello, and welcome to Out in the Woods. I'm your host, JD, and this week, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not out in the woods. If you want to be specific with it, I'm out on the beach. Not at the moment. I've been out on the beach for the past, uh, well, day or so, and I've been joined by my near and dear friends, Jack Bevins. Jack, how the hell are you? I'm doing great, JD. Thanks for having me. This is... Uh, this has been a long time in the making, yeah, as we were just talking about. A couple years now. And, well, t- t- podcast isn't a year old, so it can't be It can't be that long. I know I've come down a while to, uh, or I've been coming down for a while to try to fish and hang out and stuff like that, but um, last time I was supposed to come down, I ended up getting sick. The time before that, when we were actually going to record the podcast, I don't know if I just didn't have a mic or whatever. It didn't happen. That's that's all behind us. Yeah, we were using your, your phone on the beach, and the wind was blowing. and It, it was bad. Yeah. It, it was bad. Out. This time, however, we just got done with a fishing tournament. And we're here now. We're eating some red deer sausage, which is delicious. delicious. We're sipping on some whiskey. In case you can't tell by the fact that I can't say delicious. Um... So walk walk me through how how's your week? How's your week been? It's been good. We gotta yeah. I, I, I know I've been with you the past couple of days, but we gotta catch up. The listeners wanna know. Yeah. I mean, in my final year of grad school, so finishing that up. But uh yeah, living down in Galveston, it's fun. I try to fish as much as I can. Um this past week it's been cold fronts coming through, so been flounder fishing a little bit during the week. Um other than that, just taking it easy, laying low and, and getting ready for this tournament. So that's, I guess, one of the first things that I want to touch on is you grew up in Houston, right? I did. Okay. And you started college in Galveston. You went to a right. Galveston first semester or first year? First year. I went down there my freshman year, uh, hoping to do maritime business. And then I ended up transferring up to College Station. Um, stayed there for all three years. Got a degree up there and couldn't stay away. Made it back down here to do a master's degree in maritime business. So here we are. So growing up in Houston, like was was a Gal was Galveston kind of like your weekend spot? I mean, were you coming um, down here often? Like, what's the deal with Galveston? Why did you originally pick Anim Galveston? I mean, you think of Galveston and you think of you know brown beaches and nasty water, but yes, you know, I grew up coming down here fishing with with my dad and friends. Um, you know, not, not as much as I would have liked to growing up, but Galveston was always you know, the close beach to Houston, hmm. mm-hmm. 45 minutes down the road, uh, an easy drive. And um, I didn't get into College Station, so I thought, what the heck, I'll go live on the beach for a year and see what happens. It ended up being a blast. It was fun. You know, we'd, we'd go hang out at the beach all the time. We'd fish on the weekends. Uh, it's a great place, you know. It's a bad rap, but, you know, I like it. Well, it's funny because, like, as you know, and as at this point the listeners know, that I grew up in Midland. There's no water there. Not at all. And Galveston, like, College Station's far. Galveston is really far. There you go. Nine hours, right? It is really far. Yeah, and thankfully it was broken up here and there. But um, I just can't imagine, like, the past few times that I've been down here and also seeing, like, the pictures that you send me and the pictures that you post and stuff, pulling out all these fish, and it's not like you're – paying crazy money for like high class rent you're not paying for crazy boats i've talked with you about prices on some of the gear that you use and like some of the stuff that i'm looking at and it's you know 
it is an investment to begin with, but it's not like you're buying your first home. And it seems like so much fun because I know that I love coming down here and do this. Like, first of all, thank you for hosting me. Thank you for essentially being my guide the past few times and for this time as well. But it is just crazy to me having struggled through fishing all of my life, especially saltwater, and then coming down here, seeing your post, and you're pulling out these jacks and whatever the like the blue and green are those mahi. Jack, Jack Kerbel? Yes. Yeah, those are jacks. Are, are those the flat faced yep, yep, blue and green on the top? Yellow tails. Yep. Okay. Yep. I've always wanted to catch one of those. Very fun fish to fight. I've always wanted to catch one of those, and I've never been able to. And I'm still that's that's on my bucket list. Yep. So you you grew up coming down here. You decided to go to Galveston. Obviously, you fish a lot. Yeah. That well, yeah, that's the, that's the thing is, you know, I love going out on a boat and catching, you know, trout and slot reds and whatnot. But then I also love catching big fish. You know, I, I go to Louisiana in the summers and uh, fish with my uncle. He's a guy down there and we're catching you know, big tuna and serious pelagic game fish. And you can't really do that in Galveston without having a nice offshore boat, like you said, making that investment. Mm-hmm. That's a big investment. A uh, college kid can't afford a boat. Much larger than just a nice rod. Right, right. right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the next place, next best place to catch big fish is off the beach. You know, you got sharks, you got redfish, you got jackerville, black drum. As we found out. Yeah, <laughs> so you got a good black drum today. Um, but, yeah, so that that's that's kind of the next best thing if you want to catch you know, big game fish is to hit the beach. Um it's not as action-packed, but whenever you do land a good fish, you know, it puts up a hell of a fight, and you have a good time doing it. So, I think I would say that I've done maybe not the full spectrum of fishing as far as fighting-wise, but I've used lightweight fly rods to catch either big trout or bass or bluegill, things like that, like very light tackle to catch fairly large fish for what you're fishing for. And then this weekend, especially like I I would say I caught my biggest fish this weekend ever. And that would be that black drum. That black drum was heavy. It did not count towards the tournament, but that thing was a fight. So I can understand why you do it personally, but I'm wondering if, if, if it's a location thing or if it's just like you want the fight, you want to be out on the long nights on the beaches, like what makes you stick so much with heavy tackle, kayaking out baits, fishing for sharks, fishing for big reds? Like what makes you want to chase the big fish with the heavy tackle despite the challenges? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think I love spending time on the beach, you know, being on the beach during the day, sleeping out at the beach. It's fun. You know, it's, it's, it's relaxing. You're with your buddies. You're having a good time. You're taking, you're taking it easy, not taking things too seriously. But at the same time, you're, you're fishing for these, these species of fish that are big. They can get, you know, 10, 12 feet long mm-hmm. in certain areas, especially down South. Yeah. Um, so I think it's just the thrill of the fight, you know, being with good friends, you know, cooking good food on the beach, hanging out. Um, it's just, it's all around just a good time. Well, I I can't deny that. I've had some troubles the past few times I've come down here, as you know. But um, I guess, like, but, but 
why the beach? Because I've been camping. I've gone, you know, you build a fire, you cook good food, you drink some good whiskey. You're out fly fishing the next day. So is it your location or is it just yeah, like no, I, I think it's always the thrill of the bigger fish? Like what makes you want to get the next big shark or the next bull red? Well, you know, I guess chasing that bigger and better fish is kind of the, the primary motivator. But then again, you know, being in Houston, you don't really have many places to go that are close by. You can go to Matagorda two hours, um, you know, drive four hours to Corpus and you're always going to have bigger fish down in Corpus. But Houston's just so easy, you know, especially now that I, I live here. Um, you know, I drive 30 minutes and, you know, I'm at, I'm at the grounds and ready to go. So, uh, yeah, I, I would say location um, is, is definitely the big factor of it. I do have a beef with that. Because I have gone I've gone bass fishing, and you can still get a good fight. And and Houston is, you know, it's got a lot more water than Midland. So I guess specifically, like, I mean, you can still get a good fight in freshwater. Yeah. You can yeah, get a good fight with, you know, decent, large mouth, striped bass, whatever. But it seems like you are, and granted, you're down here for grad school, right? Yeah. It seems like you're kind of capitalizing on your situation of, I'm here. What's accessible to me? What am I rigged up to catch? Yeah, and I think I think also an attractive part of the beach is you know, that kind of that thrill of the unknown. You know, mm-hmm. you're, you're taking mm-hmm. a chunk of stingray out, or you know, a piece of sand trout, or mullet, and you could catch a ten foot bull shark or mm-hmm. lemon shark, or you could catch you know a 48 inch bull red or catch a little pup shark you know it it, it, that that kind of that thrill of the unknown i think is also a a really cool aspect but you never know what you're going to get you know you could say let's go do some freshwater fishing i think it's a blast i love freshwater fishing we did it all the time at the ski lake oh yeah yeah Yeah, we'd go out there and we'd catch bass all afternoon yeah um yeah i think it's just it's it's something that you never know what you're going to get that is a fair point because like again midland is not around a lot of water okay there's no fishing there let's be honest but when you go freshwater fishing you have a you're like it's like you're going for catfish you're going for perch or you're going for bass at least in the south i mean i know up north or more north than texas or maybe just i'm just a bad fisherman you got like pike and muskie and crappie and things like that never caught a crappie but i remember Growing up in South Carolina, or going to South Carolina, catching stingrays and little sharks, and like not knowing what they were, and that like excitement of it. And as I've gotten older, my first dogfish, which is arguably one of the worst things to catch, is it a dogfish or a toadfish? I think it's a toadfish. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna pull up a picture, and we're gonna confirm. I I think it's yeah no it's a toadfish. I caught one of these. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've gotten those. It's a toadfish for the listeners. Like, have you ever seen a stargazer? A stargazer fish? Yep. Caught one of those the other day. Casting it. Oh, ooh! <laughs> oh, my gosh. Gnarly looking, dude. That is a... That is an ugly fish. Yep. I'm going to be honest. Yep. I haven't caught one, so I do want to catch one. Yep. But I remember catching my first toadfish... And knowing that, like, okay, people hate these things, but I've never caught this before, so I am excited. 
it doesn't matter whether it's like little whiting or I remember catching those sand trout last night while we were looking for bait. Like something about catching a a new species. Yeah. But B just fishing like uncharted waters. That is so exciting. So I guess well we're 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 never mind. I'm gonna switch it up a little bit. As we caught today, uh, I had previously this summer caught Pompano for my first time. You do have experience with those. Right. Yep. Catching and cooking. Few and far between. Um, you don't catch a lot of pompano in Galveston, but when the water's real good colored, you throw fish bites out there and you can always pick up a few pompano. When that's okay, so that's another thing that I was gonna talk about. Oh, there's so many I really should have organized this a little better. Into a better train of thought. Because the quality of the water that I've been here for has been vastly different. Dude, even it changes. Even this trip. Like today was much better water quality wise. Than yesterday. Yep. So really, we should have been fishing for different stuff. No? Like, well, if, we were, if we were just going out to catch fish with the clear water, we had super flat surf, mm. should we have been fishing for trout or flounder or jacks or what? Well, this time of year, you're not really going to catch many trout in the surf. Um, say if we had a day like today where the water was almost glass at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, crystal clear if it had been may june july oh yeah we'd been out there throwing throwing top waters throwing jigs you know getting our trout but when that water starts to cool off a bit those trout go into bays and um i guess search for deeper water and whatnot but yeah the, the, the primary species you can really target in the fall are you know, the redfish black drum sharks flounder but so if if, if this tournament that we were both in and we'll we'll get to the competitive fishing aspect of this. This tournament that we were in would have been late spring, maybe midsummer, whatever. And we weren't hooking many reds, but we had conditions like we would today. And we, I mean, the winner the winner this this time was forty eight inch redfish. So it was a big fish. Would you have just been like, you know what? Screw it. We're out here. Let's just hang out, catch some big fish, or catch, like, well, not specifically target a fish. That's another benefit to the, to the beach is, you know, we're sitting there, we, we, we walk out, we cast our lines for the redfish, we're throwing our sand trout or whiting or whatnot, and you put those on the rack, and then you're just kind of sitting there hanging out. Yeah. You know, if this was summertime, we'd be throwing our trout rods, trying to catch some trout. Okay. Or we'd be kayaking out baits to try to catch some sharks. So you can do, you can kind of do everything you want on the beach at the same time. Just because it's not really an active type of fishing, you're you're taking your baits out and you're setting them up on the rack and just waiting for that bite to hit. It's kind of like setting out a crab trap, as opposed to. Have you ever used those baskets? No, I haven't. I've seen them. Those I've little, them. the little like uh, cloth baskets. Yep, yep. I I've done those, or like even the little hand lines. Yeah. Those are garbage. Yep. Just saying, but I feel like that's kind of your difference here when it comes to fishing. Is like chunk it out there let it sit hope something bites and then while you're waiting on it cast your line out with some soft plastics right so with those and this is this is more personal question would those jacks eat like what we were throwing out or i guess more well yeah oh yeah 
Summer so time, yeah. Chunked up mullet, chunked up whiting, stuff like that. Same yep. rig? Yep, same rig. Really? I use those double drops for everything. Sharks, stinger, I mean, everything. Those double drops are... I don't know if you understand my frustration at that. Or is that? Would I've I've been to South Carolina a lot. I grew up fishing there. We never catch anything. And I see what people catch, and I know it's in the water, and we never catch anything. Catching tiny little sharks, yep. little stingrays. I've never caught a red out there. I finally caught pompano. But the fact that you're just like, oh yeah, we just. Chuck our lines out, and well, location has has a good bit sure, to do with it too. Sure. I mean, I've, I've fished the surf countless days and years, and, uh-huh. and you kind of get a sense of where where the not necessarily where the fish are, but you know, you, you see the guts that are forming in the surf today. You mm-hmm. can see them easily because yeah, they're so flat yeah, and clear. So you can flat, see those. Yeah. You know, you're you're going for those big guts. You're trying to find those spots where you know there's going to be a lot of fish rolling through there you know, certain hours of the day. So yeah, location I think is is a huge factor. We could be throwing wire leaders, and I don't necessarily think we'd have as good of luck with with the rigs we use. Uh, but you'd have good chances if you're in the right spot. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering then, with you specifically, if this kind of appreciation and passion for fishing in general, the outdoors. So I, I I know you're a big hunter. We were talking about. Africa earlier. I know you just got back from a hunt. We're currently eating red deer sausage, but I'm wondering how does that translate to water skiing? Because you you have arguably saved my college career by introducing me to the water ski team in yep. in what was one of the best moves ever. Yep. So where did that come from, dude? I grew up water skiing. I, I, first time I was on skis, I was four years old. I got a picture of me sitting there. At Lake McQueen, he holding on to the boom, and I'm just a little, little tiny kid skiing, and I just stuck with it. So you weren't behind a rope? No, it's a little boom, so it goes okay. off the side of the boat. Like you, you know. do for barefoot? Yeah, yeah okay. same thing. Because you know, Taylor Sunderman was on the last episode. Hmm. So we talked about water skiing for okay. a bit. Yep. Um, so for the listeners, walk me through how you found the water ski team. All right, I was sitting there. I think it was sophomore year we joined, or junior year. I couldn't I tell know. you right now. One of the two, um, probably junior. I think it was junior year. I we're sitting there early. Junior I was sitting year. there at Welsh and Lane, my roommate. He comes into the house and he's like, "Hey, man, you water ski, right?" I'm like, yeah, you know, in the summer, water ski. Grew up water skiing. He goes, well, "There's a water ski team." I was like, "Oh, really?" He goes, "Yeah, go check it out. I'll go with you tonight." And so we went to. The first water ski meeting of the year, and I heard that they had a private lake and a 2021 Nautique 200. And I was like, "This, this is this is badass." Yeah, <laughs> like, this is sick. Um, so I went went out to the lake and and got there, and I was like, "Yep, I'm doing this," and just kind of stuck. Yeah, and I, I told you about it, and I was like, "Dude, you got to come check this out. You know, we can we can go to a lake every day. We can ski." It was great. Yeah, that was fun. I I really do think that is kind of what began to solidify our friendship. Yeah, definitely. Because water skiing was so foreign to me. Yep. And you're like, oh, I'm going out skiing. You should come. And it was it was our president at the time, Dylan and Grace. Yep. And I had literally never seen water skiing before. 
like never at all. And we got on this boat, like good looking boat, private lake. Awesome. It was, I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. Again, growing up, not near water. And then I can't remember if it was Dylan or Grace that skied first, but I mean, both of them are incredible skiers. Dude, you remember going around so, that turn on the island? Yes. <laughs> I was like, I was holding on. I was yeah. so nervous. You thought we were going to get thrown out of the boat. <laughs> yep. And then to watch them go through the course was yeah. insane. I thought I had seen good water skiing growing up. Yeah. Nope. Okay, so that. It was Dylan, it was Dylan I think, was the first one. That, yeah. that is the feeling for you that, well, as close as I can compare, that I first felt when I went shark fishing for you. And I know, I know that it was, I don't think it was for a tournament that first time around. Was that the time you showed up and your eye was... And my eye got all, yeah. all messed no, up. No, that was just, that was a weekend. We were yeah. over ball over with John Michael. I remember seeing that shark that you guys pulled in and it was five feet, four feet? Probably five or six, yeah. It was, it was much larger than I ever seen. Yep. And the whole experience of it, seeing us pull it in, it was, it was artistry in motion. Yep. Yeah, I don't think we got any big ones that weekend. But yeah, no, seeing your first shark, I mean, my first shark was, I think it was a five foot black tip and I was, I was stoked. It was, it was the coolest oh, yeah. thing ever. You know, I was down at San Louis Pass and that threw out my Penn Senator six shot and this little ugly stick. And then, dude, right when that, that clicker starts going off, the adrenaline oh, yeah. starts flowing. And, oh yeah. Oh, I'll never forget that moment. But then it's like, all right, what else is out there? You know, yeah. I'm seeing my, my buddy who's been doing this for years before me and he has this, you know, all this gear that's way cooler than mine and he's catching nine J- ten JM. sharks john michael yeah. yeah 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 he introduced me to all this stuff and um i mean yeah you just you keep learning every year and you keep getting bigger fish and it just pays off it is funny i think to see maybe your involvement with the two activities i'm going to try to draw some similarities here between water skiing and shark fishing because I knew nothing of either. I had no experience with either. Or just even like really saltwater fishing. I had no experience with that. And you invited me out both times. Which again, have both of those experiences have definitely changed my perspective on the world. I hope for the better. Hopefully. Um, but if it's, they're both kind of one of those things that it's like, if you know a person who does that, then it's kind of easy to get involved. Yep. I mean, if you know someone who has access to a boat, which is not easy, especially not in Midland, but you know, you can get out there and try it. And really it's, I guess for saltwater fishing, for shark fishing and stuff, it's just kind of your location or how far you're willing to drive. Right. But that being said, you know, a decent surf setup and a ski, like a used ski, fairly reasonable cost, like, yeah, yeah. between the so. two, so. you know, to have your own gear to go do something. The boat is obviously going to be your, yeah. your downfall, but you have introduced me to, I would say, kind of the world of affordable hobbies if you know someone yeah those you know teach you the ropes and yep because there's also there's like i love making knives i love blacksmithing and that's a fairly affordable hobby 
But you got to watch out. You get sucked into a pretty, pretty deep hole. It is, it is so easy to spend yeah. money. Yeah, so my first, my first setup money. was, you know, I thought I was spending my whole life savings on this Penn Senator and an ugly stick. And it's, you know, looking back, it's it's nothing compared to the, some of the stuff these guys use, you know. When you're now into, you could, you've won tournaments before. Yeah. You're into tournaments. So technically you could be called a professional fisherman. No, I would not say that. <laughs> but you you have earned money. IRS, if you're listening, close out. Uh, you've earned money. Yeah, we've made some money on these. In these tournaments. That means you're... to pay for gas. I had a buddy who worked as like a... I'm going to call it a gym manager. He was just like there to make sure the gym was open, make sure everyone was like doing okay. And he would go and practice lacrosse while no one else was there like on the clock. So he was being paid to practice lacrosse. And he was like, yeah, you know, this makes me a professional lacrosse player. I, player. I guess and then I was like, it. this is in high school, man. Are you kidding me? So you're, I would consider you a professional fisherman. Uh, it's you not can get your, a lot more professional than, than what we do. <laughs> I'm a professional knife maker, but you can get a hell of a lot more professional than I am. I would, I, it's more on the recreational side. I mean, I think... It's a hobby. If you're getting into it, if you're if you're trying to to go big and actually start, you know, making a, a, a living with these tournaments and sponsorships, and yeah, you're a professional fisherman, but um, start filling your fish with te- leg weights. Te- technically, oh yeah, <laughs> good thing it wasn't a, a weight tournament this weekend. <laughs> but yeah, you know, we're 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 doing it for fun. We can we can win a tournament here and there. It helps pay for gas. And so this is something that I've been wondering all week. Or weekend, I guess. Like our tournament, we had to sign in on Facebook Live at a certain time. We had to write a specific code on our hands, and then whenever we were catching a fish, we had to go live in the Facebook page to like prove that we were catching the fish at the right time. That's sad. Do you think that that level of I don't want to say worry? But like caution towards, you know, assuring that there is an accurate result, that someone's not cheating, especially after that whole fishing debacle with the weights and stuff that happened recently. Well, I think it just kind of shows you that, you know, people out there that are doing this sport are willing and capable of cheating. So they have to put precautionary things in these tournaments to prevent that from happening, which sucks, but... I mean, it, it sucks that that's what it's come to, but at the same time, I guess it it is a good thing because it's it it's an honest way of doing it. You know, there's no it limits the whole factor of cheating. Mm-hmm. It prevents that from happening. But we had an instance where I our first redfish we caught this weekend was 39 inches, and specifically your redfish. Yeah. So you you definitely carry a little bit more weight than the rest. Of Although us. it wasn't a big redfish, I kind of knew it wasn't going to be a tournament winner when the cotter's only 39 inches but thank goodness or they, thank goodness it wasn't a 49 inch yeah. but we sent the pictures in to the tournament host and he was like yeah man you need to go live i was i was just pissed off i was like really when at this point the redfish had been released yeah it was gone redfish was gone so obviously you and i know what we're talking about here for the viewers just kind of a uh viewers for the listeners like a once over you hear about a tournament you sign up for the tournament walk me through kind of step by step of 
what you're going to do from it's go time to we're done. Well, I think you had a pretty good experience of it this weekend. I mean, I think a couple of days before, we'll go out and catch bait. That's one thing we did was, uh, you know, we got all those sand trout. That was mm-hmm. kind of a, that was a lifesaver. I, I kind of, Absolutely, I, had, yeah. I had a feeling that we were going to have a hard time catching our regular baits in the surf just with this crazy storm we had the last couple of days and uh, the weather's just been wild. But yeah, we, we'll go catch our bait and then we'll build our leaders and we'll start, you know, putting new line on our rods if they need it. Uh, but then, you know, it's really just a matter of getting out there and rigging up and getting your lines out and, mm-hmm. you know, just fishing. There's not a whole lot to it. I mean, you can, you can, when we're out there, obviously we're talking about changing spots. If this gut doesn't look good or if the wind's changing or running into seaweed, you know, we had to, we had to change our our total game plan or our game plan was totally changed just because of the seaweed. But um, yeah, it's kind of thinking on the fly. So I do want to start before the tournament again, but just for clarification, when you say gut, what are you talking there? So at, at your beach, you have your and, and this is is this more Texas or is this kind of Louisiana? This is, or is this all? This is just everywhere. in general, in everywhere. General. Yeah, okay. in general. So okay. you have your sandbars, which are the high parts. Mm-hmm. The sand kind of ebbs and flows, goes yep. up and down. Yep. And um, so your bars are the raised parts of the sand, and then following your bar is a gut where that sand drops off. Okay. Um, and so the waves will break on top of the bars. And so you're trying to fish these guts where the water's deep and it's kind of a channel that goes along the beachfront. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, like you said, I just, again, I know what a gut is. I want the people, I, the people got to pick something up every now and then. You went out before this tournament, specifically, last night, or not last night, two nights ago. Right. And uh, you went out with Nick. No, or Nick no, didn't go. Else. It was uh, Benji and I. Benji went out fishing. Benji went fishing. Yep. I still, I, I gotta meet this man. So you guys went out though, and I, it, who was asking? It's a fishing tournament. What do you got to do to prepare? Someone said that. I know that. Oh yeah, I don't remember. Did Nick go out fishing? No, Nick didn't go that night. No. Someone said it's like. It's a fishing tournament. What do you have to go out and practice for? But that oh, was the night that oh. you guys went out and caught all the bait that we used. All oh, week. who was that? I mean, we don't we is don't need to, uh, maybe we don't need to get into like specifics of names. But the point oh, I'm who is that girl at the bar last, uh, Friday night? Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it is kind of funny because like you think, oh, okay, you're gonna go out. You put your line in the water, and then you catch the fish, and then that's it. But it's like you guys were out there, and you caught almost, if not all, of our bait. Like, we definitely still pulled in a few little bits and bobs, um, and you guys went and bought some crabs. But, like, you did have a lot of pre-work that went into this tournament. More than the usual, yeah. Cause but, I mean... It would- Granted, whenever we're preparing for these tournaments before they start, you know, this tournament started Saturday at six o'clock. Mm-hmm. Typically, we'd be at the beach from eight a.m. Yeah, until that start time, trying to catch our bait. Well, and what's frustrating is like the tournament had ended today. It's Sunday now. You had left. Nick had left, 
And I was just there. I was like, I don't have a place to be. I might as well just hang out for a bit. And I caught another pompano, which, again, we're going to get back to the pompanos. But I caught three whiting, like back to back to back. As soon as that sun started to dip a little bit. Yep. And whiting, at least for redfish, is kind of what we're going for bait-wise. Primo bait. And none of them were huge, but you could have easily split them in half and set up a double drop loop. Yep. And so I was just like, ah, now it happens, you know? And then I had my line get snapped. And of course I was thinking, oh, now, now's the time I'm going to catch a 50 inch or whatever. <laughs> I'm going to win it. And it's going to be 10 That's minutes. Stop before yeah, that yeah. happens. It's going to be 10 minutes after up, the man. tournament. But uh, yeah. I guess, I guess, you know, who knows, who knows what it was, but you obviously fish these tournaments. And in some cases, you're camping out on the beach. And nine times out of ten, other than your bait, obviously, it's catch and release. Yep. So the stuff that you do keep, you get processed or you process yourself? Yeah, we just play it up at the house. Okay, so it's a fairly easy thing. I would assume, as I know, now it came yeah, with practice. Pro pompano player, yeah. Oh, if that's what professional pompano <laughs> playing looks like, I must be in like the the paraplegic league or something. But we finally got lucky today and caught two pompano, which I have caught before and I've never eaten. So we're about to cook them up. We are. And for the podcast listeners, we have fresh pompano. It's it's about it's ready fish, to go. I, I, I don't ever target them down here just because mm-hmm. there's not that many. It's kind of a surprise when you catch them. We're trying yeah. to catch our bait or whatnot, but... Dude, it's, a, it's one of my favorite fish. We have not it's cooked so these. Good. I'm staring at a bowl of ice water with pompano fillets in it. We're going to fillet these up. Well, they're already filleted. We're going we're gonna to season these up, and I'm going to let you describe that. We're going to cook them. We're going to take a cut in the, in the podcast, which you guys won't notice. But we're going to come back, and we're going to have fresh pompano that we're going to taste test because I've never eaten it before. So just so I can be ready. And maybe if people listening at home want to try and cook pompano, what are we going to do? We have filleted pompano, fresh caught today, sitting in ice water. What's the next steps? Well, you said earlier you kind of just wanted to taste the fish itself. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't. Which I do. A, which I do. Usually, I'm throwing, you know, lemon pepper, salt, little Tony's, um, some garlic powder, and whatnot on these, and little cayenne get a little spice but i think we should just go ahead and throw some salt and pepper a little lemon okay. wedge and okay throw so fairly straightforward yeah it's a good fish man. You it's not it's not like you're cooking down a, a wild hog to make chili or no. something oh my so my dad's favorite fish is trout pickle trout you know how he cooks it mm-hmm. he puts salt pepper a little bit of butter on top throws it in the microwave <laughs> That's it. Oh, no. That's it. Salt, pepper, butter in the microwave. In the microwave? Two minutes. Comes out flaky. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, man. I'm going to remember, that, I'm remember, have to cut that out. That's you cooking oh, fish? We, we would come back from Matagorda growing up, and he was showing me how to cook trout, and I was like, what are you doing? I, I washed him, throw it in the microwave. <laughs> <laughs> it was good. It was good. It came out. Holy smokes. Delicious. 
Jack, I've, I've caught. We I've won't caught. do that. We'll, we'll I caught both of these Pompano. We're not throwing them in the microwave. No. I'm determined. I, I don't know if I can bring it. I don't know if I can bring myself. No, we'll, we'll, we'll put in. throw it in the old cast iron. Damn. Okay. All right. So, so preheat cast iron, a little bit of butter. Obviously, I, I just want to try it like flat out. Yeah. And just to see what so it tastes salt like. Uh, and you said normally like a little bit of lemon pepper, a little bit of cayenne. And that's like your go-to. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For for pompano, lemon pepper, cayenne salt, um, splash of Tony's. You know, throw some lemons. My favorite recipe is with redfish. Okay. Little side note here, but you get redfish and get it on the half shell. You get jalapenos, onions, you get all the seasonings I just said: lemon pepper, salt. Yeah. Um, the classic. Yeah, just cayenne, whatnot. But then you you wrap it up the whole thing in foil. You cover it up. You know, jalapenos, onions, uh-huh. garlic shallots whatever you want to do and then you go throw it on the grill and it comes out those jalapenos and those onions dude I, ben, benji showed me that recipe um it's amazing it's benji man so i know like when i think of half shell i think of oysters so when it comes to fish what does half shell mean uh redfish on the half shell is you just keep the, the skin on one side so you fillet it off of the skeleton yeah, you fillet the fish, but instead of, instead of well, I don't know what to call the the, the bones. Yeah, I guess the yeah, you just get you get the fillet. You get the, the fillets. Uh, you just leave the, the scales on the outside. Keep the scales on. The skin. Well, you can de- you can you can scale it, but I usually just leave them on. Okay, and then you're putting that. I would assume grill side down. Yep, put that on the grill. But side. Uh, foil underneath, like you're talking yeah, total total cover total boat everything. Yep, foil covered. Just laying jalapenos and stuff on top. Four or five jalapenos. Two onions. I mean, Sliced up? Oh, yeah. And just, like, just covering the flake? Yep. Two sticks of butter on the thing. I mean, it's... Oh, no wonder it tastes yeah. good. It's okay. great, man. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick intermission, which you guys won't know. We're going to take a quick intermission, cook up these pompano, and we'll be back for a live out-in-the-woods taste test. Okay. We're back. For the listeners, we're back. We just cooked some pompano. Jack cooked some pompano. Now, we have surprisingly three options before us. One of them is pompano, no seasonings at all. Olive oil in a hot pan, cooked. The other one is salt, pepper, and cayenne, again, cooked in olive oil. And the other one, we made a slight mishap, and we used cinnamon. Uh, So there's cinnamon in one of them. So let's start. Wait, wait, wait. No, let's start with let's start with the plain pompano. This is you got to describe it because again, this is a podcast. This is an audio thing. Delicious, man. It's clean fish. Oh yeah. Oh. Oh yeah. That's good. My most like most of my experience with fish is fried. And it's specifically because I don't like the texture. However, this is like, it's not like I'm chewing a steak, but it's just meaty enough. And even just the plain pompano and olive oil, like that has a incredible flavor. Yep. Oh my gosh. That's good. And, and not that I eat a lot of fish to know what like the fishy flavor is. Oh yeah, but you don't get none of that. That is, that is pretty mild. 
Like I've 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 had much fishier fish. Okay. Let's take a bite of the the normal, as you would say normal. So how you normally prepare it? Salt, pepper, or salt, lemon, pepper, a little bit of cayenne. Yep. Okay. Oh yeah. That's good. Oh yeah. I'm not mad about that. Nope. I am mad that I let so many of them go this summer, not knowing, <laughs> not knowing what to do with them. The fact that they're they're not a big fish. I mean, they're not. You don't get a whole lot of meat off of them. But. Yeah, but I mean, you get. I mean, if you want to consider it four fillets, two fillets off of one fish. Yeah. I would eat one fish. I caught six of them in a day, and oh, I let wow. all of them go. So there was plenty of fish to go around. That's true. Okay. I know you said you didn't want to, but I think we have to try the cinnamon one. I want to. I want to get from the middle of it. Cinnamon, <laughs> dude. I did this. I did this on my mac and cheese one time. I made a fresh thing of mac and cheese and that oh. village, and I threw cinnamon on it instead of cayenne. <laughs> I really didn't think you'd be able to taste the cinnamon. Nope, you can taste the cinnamon. It is up front. There's that. That's his. Uh, that's what I'm gonna get now. Oh damn! That's, I kinda, a, that's I kinda, the red heart of beast. I kind of like the cinnamon. Do so, really? yeah, I do. I do. I want to. I just want to close out this this bit of the three. We had we had the OG, the normal recipe, and then the cinnamon. You Rank like the them cinnamon. one, two, three. What are your thoughts? Well, the I think the original, then the nothing, and then cinnamon's last. You really don't like the cinnamon. I don't one? like the cinnamon. It tastes like a. That's my number one. Cinnamon roll, man. Salt, pepper, cayenne, a little bit of cinnamon. You like the cinnamon? I really like the cinnamon on it. Huh. I'm going to be honest. I mean, I can see where you're coming from. I don't know why, but it, <laughs> that is damn good. Damn. Okay, so um, we you just showed me pictures. Oh. Is that a bone? Probably. I don't know. I couldn't tell. Which is, it. Oh, it's too late. I couldn't tell, so it, that's obviously not that bad of a sign. Um. Oh, there it is. Let me see. I wonder who filleted these damn things. Amateur. Yeah, rookie. <laughs> Must have used a dull knife too. Um. You are a bit of an outdoors man. Yeah, yeah, I like it. And as you just said, uh, and we've talked about this a little bit before we started recording, you're gonna go on a safari. I am. Yeah, going to uh, South Africa in July. And at the moment, you're picking what you're going to shoot or I picking just, what you're hopeful to shoot? Yeah, just trying to put a little list together, and, mm-hmm. I guess, for budgets and whatnot. But uh, yeah, kind of got the price list sent and just picking and choosing what, what we're going to do. So I've obviously never been on a, like a safari. Or I haven't either. So this is all very foreign to me. First, yeah. But have you done – well, no, I know you have because of your odd ad. You've done a paid hunt before. No, the odd ad wasn't a paid hunt. No, that was – Was it the sheep? family deal. No, this whitetail I shot this year, that was that was my first ever paid hunt. What was the one – Oh, I shot that, that – uh, I know you did course, one. I shot a Corsican sheep when I was like 13 years old. 
at this ranch in Corsicana. Um, man, that was that was that was a funny night. We showed up to this place at ten o'clock in the morning. No, it's all yours. Go for it. And it's so good. This guy's I think there's there's probably six of us, me and all my buddies in high school. Um, we show up to this ranch. It's a seventy acre high fence ranch. What is it? Small. Small. It's a real small ranch. And he's trying to get rid of these doll and Corsican sheep he has. And we show up 10 a.m., 11 a.m. He goes, all right, you guys ready to go? Kind of like, all right, I guess we're getting to the blind early. We hop in the rangers. We go out to this field. And we're all sitting there in the middle of this field. And this guy gets this whistle, and he whistles. Here comes running this dog. And about 20 sheep are following this dog right towards us. <laughs> and these are not like like farm sheep no, no, they're, made they're, for their wool. They're, they're doll, of course. Again, they got big horns. They're rams. D-A-H-L, doll sheep, and... D-A-L-L, yeah. Yeah, okay. So, like, uh, are they similar to an Audad in uh, no, size they're, and shape? They're, or no? they're smaller than an Audad, way smaller than an Audad, and their horns have full curls on them. Okay. Um, but, yeah, man, we're just sitting there, and he looks over, and he's like, who wants to go first? I was first up, and I picked out my little core skin, the biggest one I thought. Shot it, and all right, who's next? <laughs> and they were just, like, sitting there in a the field. Well, luckily, it got a little more exciting. After the second guy shot, the sheep kind of realized what was up, and they took off. <laughs> I went back to the house, and I'm sitting there with my dad and uh, a couple of friends, and you just hear, bang! Bang! Oh my like it, goodness! It's kind of like war going on out there. I mean, they're chasing these doll sheep, these core skins everywhere, man. I mean, it took us about four hours, and all six of us got our sheep and cleaned them. You might as well have just been out there shooting cattle. <laughs> yeah, it seemed that way. So, so what you're gonna do in Africa is obviously a little different. Yeah. yeah. How much of an idea do you have of what you're gonna be doing? Um, I've heard. So I'm going with family. I'm going with. My cousin, who he's this is this will be his fourth time, and uh, he says it's like South Texas on steroids and way cooler animals. Um, so when you say South Texas on steroids, are you talking landscape? Landscape, or, yeah. Okay, landscape, okay. flat mesquite trees, but he just says everything's bigger. And you're hunting over watering holes, from what I've heard, and they're the only watering sources on the entire ranch. I think the ranch is like sixty-four thousand acres. It's high oh my God. It's it's crazy. Um, yeah, man, I'm looking forward to it. I've heard, I've heard a lot of awesome things, and we were watching some videos earlier, and mm-hmm. it got me pumped. Yep. So in in Texas, um, hunting over a feeder is legal. Yeah. Right. Whether Absolutely. you're bow hunting, whether you're shooting with rifle, yep. getting out there with a spear, I don't know what you're doing. You're allowed to shoot over a feeder or bait your animals in. Yeah. So I guess my first question is: Would you consider hunting over a water hole? baiting yeah i think if, if i were to in, in, in its simplest form it is it's bait so okay they're, they're, they're coming for food or water regardless of what it is and definitely it's baiting yeah so and this is a term that i'm in my personal opinion not super familiar with as far as fair chase what that means like i my understanding is people are hiking through the mountains a lot of Binoculars and monos- uh, yeah, binoculars, like saying. hunting that. In regards to that kind of level of, I'm gonna sit in a box on a feeder, or I'm gonna trek miles through the the woods. Like, yeah, 
what's your kind of what's your kind of line? Because I I I haven't met people, but I have heard of people who think of certain types of hunting as not hunting. Yep. It's basically like a, a planned slaughter, right? Essentially. Yeah. No, I totally I totally get that that opinion on things, but. I think we have to work with what we have. I mean, down here in Texas, we're hunting white-tailed deer. Mm-hmm. They're smart. They're smart animals. Well, it's not like we have three hundred yards yeah. to look down a. I mean, it's you know, so we'll, in Texas, you're hunting whitetail. Most of Texas's brush country is thick wooded areas, mm-hmm. and so you don't have these opportunities as you would maybe in, in Colorado. My my cousin Gus, he he shot his first pronghorn antelope when he was 13 years old and he spot and stalked it. That's one of the hard, hardest things to do with a bow mm-hmm. is spot and stalk a pronghorn. Yeah. But you're in an area where it's just wide open plains. And so you're able to, you know, it, it took him three hours to spot and stalk that thing. Yeah. You can't do that in Texas. No. The trees and brush and whatnot. So I think in Texas we're limited to baiting pretty much. We have to, we have to put corn on the ground to get these deer to come in. But even then, I mean, when you're bow hunting, it's, it's hard. It's not mm-hmm. easy. You got to be quiet. You got to be, scent free you got to be in the right the right spot um so it's a challenge definitely it's not necessarily a planned slaughter you got to work for it but so do you think that i mean obviously our population is is i'm going to tie this back into fishing obviously our population in texas is at a level where when you buy a, a hunting pass uh your license that's what i was looking for yeah we get, at least in Texas, unless you have, you know, extra tags, two bucks, three does. You can get five deer. Okay. Which is a lot, really. You think yeah, about the five whitetails is a lot, a lot of meat. That is a lot of numbers when you think about how many people I hunt. Mean, yeah, I just filled my freezer up with one. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, kid. I mean, five is a lot. For, for one or two people, a deer, if not maybe two, is going to be a year's supply. Yeah. Depending on how much protein you're eating. So there's obviously, and we're going to tie this back in with the fishing tournaments. There's obviously a lot of mm, bad bee about shark fishing. Maybe not to you. You're in this community. You know the world. You know what it's like to be a shark fisher. Yeah. But I know personally, I've looked through Instagram of people doing catch and release shark fishing. And I have unfortunately read the comments. And they're not good. They're not nice. So I'm wondering, you in Texas, catch and release shark fishermen, what are your thoughts? What do you have to say? I, I, I've seen the comments too. I know people don't like it, you know, save the sharks, that kind of thing. But uh, I mean, in all honesty, the, the kind of the fishing we're doing, it doesn't harm the shark. We're using, that's one of the reasons why we use such heavy, nice gear mm-hmm. is so we can reel this fish in in a matter of 15 20 minutes yeah and that shark is you know pissed off he's fine he swims off strong mm-hmm. but then again one of the, the guys that i fish with he he tags sharks he does it for research purposes mm-hmm. i mean he does it for the sport he loves doing yeah. it yeah but he also he takes dna samples he puts tags on the sharks to track their migration patterns um he's he's taking note of the sex and the length and mm-hmm. all this stuff and he sends that into uh a group that does research for mm-hmm. shark migration patterns. Um, so there, there's a benefit to it. These, these research institutions, they're, you know, meeting in the middle with these shark fishermen or shark fishermen and 
they're allowing us to do it in a, in a way that, you know, helps the shark population in the long run. I think the closest thing that I would equate it to being really a, not a shark fisherman and being B, not a bird hunter. I shot my first of this year, 2022 and yeah, 2022. <laughs> I've never shot a duck. I've never shot a sandhill crane. Both of those I'd love to shoot. Hopefully I would, I would love, <laughs> I've had sandhill it's crane. So good. I've eaten duck. I've eaten sandhill crane. I really, I would love, love to shoot some this year. But I can imagine, like I've, I've watched a lot of hunting videos. It kind of gets you hyped for hunting season about people when they shoot a banded yeah. duck or bird, which is very cool. A tag, it's yeah. a tag, right? And that means like you call the number, you say, "Hey, I shot, you know, one, two, three, four, X, Y, Z right. duck." on this location at this date and they're like oh it came from canada and then it went to oklahoma and then it went to yeah, they track or wherever yeah. yeah so there is data to it but i think one thing that is maybe overlooked is your numbers as far as animals go because deer in texas we're allowed to shoot five mm-hmm. i've never shot five i don't know if you've ever shot five deer in a season nope but as we were talking about earlier, I know people up north who their hunting season's two weeks. Mm. You know, they get one, maybe two deer. And I've bought a South Carolina fishing license whenever I go fishing there. And I've looked up, okay, people do eat shark. Yep. What's my limit size? What's my bag limit? They're game fish. They are a game fish. Yep. And when you go to South Carolina, the list of immediate catch and release compared to keep any length any size any number is staggering as far as what is legal to keep and i think that in america and this is pushing a little political Mm. because obviously people care about we got vegans people care about nature all that they they say they do they think, oh, you're keeping a shark, you're killing a shark, whatever, that's bad. It's like, that is not the point. You know, it's not like I'm out here trying to hit deer on the highway <laughs> and take them home to fill my freezer. Right. Like, obviously, there's a couple dirtbags. So what are, your, what are your thoughts as far as, like, population management, people that maybe disregard that kind of yeah. means of capture things like that right i mean i think that this kind of goes back to baiting as well yeah i think texas parks and wildlife does the heck of a job at managing populations and uh you know promoting good conservation efforts i think that you know conservation people look at hunting as like oh my god you're going out there and killing animals it's it's Mm -hmm. cruel it's it's, but and in the long run it's conservation you're you're protecting the species as a Mm -hmm. whole you know they they track the number of animals killed i mean i went on a sandhill crane hunt last year and i got 10 letters in the mail asking how many cranes i shot yeah uh, it was optional to respond but they kept sending me them. it's data it's data. data they want to know how many cranes were killed so they can track these these migration patterns and the numbers and whatnot so next year they can be like you know hey let's let's limit the number of tags they're not gonna mm-hmm. do that with sandal crane but yeah um you know, i think that's their goal is just it's conservation it's, it's hunting it, it in its purest form it's conserving the species to where they can thrive 
at a greater population in the future and a greater mm-hmm. health. I mean, if you had, if you just stopped all hunting in Texas, mm-hmm. you'd have a hell of a lot more deer, <laughs> but none of those deer would be as healthy as they are if they no. were hunting, you know? Well, and that's what's interesting. And you can say, oh, it's natural selection and stuff. Like I've been to deer breeder farms and they have albino deer. You can walk up and Jack and I, for the listeners, Jack and I are sharing a microphone. Okay. You can walk up to a albino white-tailed deer at maybe a little over this distance, probably five feet, I would say. And it would then run. To say that, and that's, you know, you say, oh, it, it was raised in captivity, all this stuff. Like, no. There are other deer there. They do not come close to you. Yep. The albino deer do not know what's going on. And this was a point that was, uh, you know, showed to me when I was there is like leaves are brown. Grass is kind of brown. Like deer blend in pretty well. Mm-hmm. White blobs don't. No. So those are obviously going to die. That's why you don't see them. Yeah. Good point. So I think people, and by all means, I know I'm talking a lot during this podcast and you're the guest. So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping you'll fill in the gaps here, but people think like hunters are providing some like cruel means of, and, and fishermen for that, you know, for, for that example, are, are providing some cruel means of, of, uh, consumption. When in reality, like how many deer do you think die of old age? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the, I think it's the most ethical and pure form of putting food on your table for dinner. You know, it's, you're going out, you're working for it and you're not just going up to your local HEB and buying a filet that's been on the shelf for a couple of days. You know, you, yeah. you get one deer and I, you know, I shot, I shoot one deer a year and it lasts me the entire year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you think that like, cause again, in South Carolina and I, I'm not native to South Carolina, I've fished there a lot, but, and I, I'm happy to pull up the fish list of what you're allowed to keep and when it's extensive mm. as far as sharks go. Do you think the reason that they're not being fished more in South Carolina, they're not being sold in stores they're not being served at restaurants is because of the public eye? I mean, I just don't think people really target sharks, you know? I think people are going after redfish and trout. But you've eaten them. I've eaten a shark. Yeah, we've... we've Is it good? It's not bad. I mean, it's not my favorite fish. (laughs) We fried it up and we put a lot of seasoning on it and it was still all right. But um, it's just not... I don't think it's a very popular fish, you know? In in Texas, you can keep nearly every species of shark besides a greater hammer and a tiger and whatnot. Mm -hmm. You may even do a tiger. I'm not too familiar with that, but... It has to be 24 inches long and you can keep it, but you know, still not a lot of people do it. I think I can, I got the, I got the app here. I can pull up sharks, but, um, I mean, the United States population of sharks is far greater than any other country in the world. I mean, the Gulf of Mexico is home to too many sharks in my opinion. (laughs) So, okay. You said is there a difference between sand tiger and normal tiger? Mm-hmm. Okay. Sand tiger is on the prohibited. Um, 
that being said, you can kill tigers. I know that. Just for fun, yeah. Yeah, you you are allowed to. Let's see, tiger is minimum size length sixty four inches. Okay. For uh, among other ones, a tiger shark. Yeah. Well, like, who wants wondering... to do that? Who wants to go out there? Not a lot of people. If it happens, people will go out there and they'll they'll catch a big shark and they'll bring it back. And um, don't a lot of people donate the meat. Um, but the majority of the time, you're catching a fish like that. It's just cool to catch it, you know. And yeah, you're you're letting it go. It swims off. And I don't think it happens a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I I'm just wondering because like so carp, for example, mm. we obviously have a lot of carp. In yeah, there. it's an invasive species. Yes. Do you know why they came to the States? No, don't. They were brought here because as people settled and moved across the United States, uh, North America, Mm. that at the time was a fish of royalty. Like that was a delicacy. And then it blew up in population. And then like the 18 and 1900s, it fell out of favor because they were so like everywhere. And... I haven't eaten them. I've heard a lot of things that they are very bony. You got to deal with a lot of bones. So really, it's just kind of a pain in the ass. Yeah. But now the problem is, is they're everywhere. Right. So I mean, obviously, we were, there's there's at, no yeah, limit. At the, at the ski lake, we were talking about getting carp to handle the weed control. The weeds. Yeah, yeah exactly. But we couldn't get carp because they were so regulated by Texas yeah. Parks and Wildlife. You had to apply for them. And you had a biologist had to come out. or So as... I would assume, I don't know. I, I, most sharks, I would assume, are native to their waters. I know that like lionfish aren't, but I don't know if yep. we have those in Texas or anything. We obviously, as people, focus on salmon and tuna mm. as like, I would say those are probably the most two consumed fish, consumed yeah. fish right. in the States, if not the world. Arguably. But there's so many more fish as we were saying like you throw your line out in the surf and you don't know what you're going to catch right you're not going to find jack and i don't mean like jack shit i mean jack crevels or amber jacks Mm. you're not going to really find those at your you know local fish market yeah i think that comes down to the taste of the fish i mean jack crevels very bloody fish and Mm -hmm. um they're not really known to taste that that good same with amber jack but but as we found, Pompano, mm-hmm. no limit size in Texas. I really hope. We checked. <laughs> Unless something's changed in the last yeah, six hours, I, we might have to edit this out. Yep. <laughs> Pompano are delicious. Very Pompano good. are delicious, Very but good. really they're not commercially fishable. No. So for the people, like I, the argument is, is like, oh, not everyone can go out and hunt deer. Not everyone can go out and shoot whatever. But pigs, which you and I have both eaten plenty of, and I really enjoy them, Mm -hmm. especially if you cook them right. Like I've cooked them simply and they're fine. You're not eating a filet. That's for sure. Throw them in a crock pot. You smoke them, man. They're delicious, man. But for the people like on the coast or up in the panhandle or anywhere in the States, like what are your thoughts on self- um responsibility for harvesting locally yeah that's a good question um 
I mean, as you can see, I was pulling meat out of my deep freezer that mm -hmm. was a few months old and we hadn't mm -hmm. eaten it and we got to eat it sooner or else it's going to be bad. Yeah. Um, I mean, you go on a fishing trip and you're going to catch your, your goal is to catch your limits. Yeah. And then it's up to the consumer whether or not they, they eat all of that fish. I'm guilty of it. I know I've, you know, waited a little too long to eat some tuna that I've caught in Louisiana. Mm -hmm. But then again, there's, there's alternate ways of, of eating it. You can't make a tuna steak out of four month old tuna, but you smoke it and make some tuna dip, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it just comes down to the responsibility of, you know, am I going to eat this fish that I, that I catch? Um, you know, a lot of times it, it doesn't get eaten, but the majority of the time it does. Well, and another thing that I'm slowly trying to do at the ranch mm -hmm. is the whole idea of if I shoot something, I really want to eat it or yeah. at least try it. Yeah. I haven't had the chance to eat coyote, which I you're laughing. At. I ain't gonna do that. One. You're laughing at that one. People it's eat mountain dog, lions. Man. People eat people eat big game cats, dogs, things Oof. like that. Especially elsewhere in the world, people eat like household cats and dogs. Yep, not me. So there, there is a line for the public eye yeah. that we were raised with, you and I, as hunters and fishers. Yep. Or hunter, yeah, hunters and fishermen of what to eat and what not to eat. Like gaff top. Mm -hmm. You catch a ton of them. We caught a ton of them last night that were large. Pain in the ass, yep. They steal your bait. They're very like slimy. prevalent. They're slimy. Uh, Lane, who's with us, his friends went out and they caught a bunch of gaff tops and they cooked them up. Yeah, they went out with a guide and then the guide prepped them. Yep. I would love to try it. The only time I've caught one where I've had the chance to eat it was in South Carolina, but you're not allowed to keep them there. Yeah, I'm sure they taste good. I've just, you know, I've never tried one before. You're too so, annoyed getting them off of the yeah, hook. Yeah, so it's, it's not. <laughs> I've also just heard they're they're soft fish and. They don't have, they're, they're fishy. And so it's, you know, I'm, I'm going, I'm similar going to like a normal catfish, honestly. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they're fairly similar in taste and whatnot, but not I, something I usually go after. I would not eat a freshwater catfish the way that we ate this pompano. Yeah. I would be willing to try a saltwater catfish the way we ate this pompano. I don't think I would like it. That being said, I'm willing to bet money that if you took a gaff top, or what is it? What's the other one? A flat, flathead, hardhead, hardhead. Yeah. I don't know if I don't know if a hardhead is is legal game, but I do know in Texas a flat top or a gap top is. I would be willing to bet if you sliced it, fried it, it would be undiscernible from a freshwater cat. Yeah, I think taste wise, I've heard that they're not much different, but it's just what I have heard is they're very soft. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's what I'm saying. Texture is you, way when you different. Fry it. You're getting that little bit of crisp. You are. Yeah. That's why I, I really don't like flounder unless it's fried. Ooh, I love flounder. Like this, this pompano had good texture. Yeah. I enjoyed, I thoroughly enjoyed eating it. I've never had flounder the way that we've had this. It's yeah. just a little bit of oil. I've had you stingray. I've had good. stingray like it yeah. and it was delicious. Yeah. But um, I know that when like I get a piece of flounder that's a little undercooked, I'm like, ah, this is a little mushy for me. Okay. So, where do we go next? What do you what do you think needs to change for the public eye in regards to 
finding what's local and making use of it. I mean, I just think, you know, personally, I just think people should get out and, you know, get in the outdoors and go experience it, go catch a fish and eat it. You know, the, the, it's, it's a good feeling taking something from field to table, mm-hmm. knowing that, you know, you harvested this meat and you're mm-hmm. eating. Yeah. You know, that there, there's nothing that beats that, that feeling of, you know, going from field to table. So I think, you know, get out, fish, hunt, you know, experience it. It's hard to, to bash something until you try it. That's my personal opinion. That's a, that's a fair point. And I'm wondering because, and again, this is getting a little political, but I know people that, uh, maybe don't like firearms or have never shot a firearm or are very, uh, perseverant in regards to firearm law and they've never shot a gun. Yeah. You know, and I can only imagine that there are vegans or vegetarians or similar who the primary reason that they choose those dietary restraints is because of how stuff's raised. So I'm wondering if, if, you know, it's a little easier, I would have bet to, to get someone to go out and shoot a gun at a target Mm. as opposed to being like, Hey, we got, let's go kill something and then cook it. Cause there's a lot more mess involved, really. Yeah, no, I mean, so my mom, she, she hates, you know, the fact that animals die whenever mm-hmm. we go out and hunt and fish. She hates it. Same, I'll show her same with like, my, hey, same mom, with look my at this, look at this deer I just shot. I yeah. want to see it. She, she gets all upset, but she loves eating it. She's mm-hmm. like, I'll bring it home. I'll cook her up crowd. I'll cook yeah. her up. You know, she loves venison. And, uh, I mean, yeah, I just, I just think it's, it's one of those things where, you know, maybe people don't like the act of doing it necessarily, but mm-hmm. it's, it's just, it's the most basic way of harvesting food for your family and your friends. You know, it's the purest form of, yeah. yeah. So as someone who partakes in that, what is your goal? In regards to you meet someone who's, you know, sworn off meat, sworn off fish, and like, are you gonna are you gonna quiz them about it? Are you gonna be like, oh okay, or are you gonna kind of dig in? Or are you gonna be like, hey, like I caught this the other day, come over and try it, or let's go out fishing and let's try to catch something. Personally, I wouldn't even try. <laughs> really? Okay. Yeah. Okay. But that's that's their opinion. You know, mm-hmm. I don't I don't care enough to try to change their mind so to speak mm-hmm. um i enjoy it i know my friends enjoy it so you know if they don't want to eat it they're missing out <laughs> yeah <laughs> more fish in the freezer yeah, as yeah, opposed. More, more for me so we're we're a little over an hour now which is about about where i try to you know hit the podcast but we've talked hunting we've talked fishing we've talked more or less morality and the politics of it all, which, again, I don't try to get into politics. Yeah. But I do know people are very div- divisive on harvesting. We've, we've literally cooked and eaten fish that was caught today, which has never happened on the podcast. So cheers to a first. Yep. What would you say is your kind of like uh, parting advice to someone who's maybe a little on the fence about eating a feral pig? Or 
you know, maybe they've never had venison yeah. because they don't like people going out and shooting stuff. They they maybe they don't think about the fact that stuff is raised to be slaughtered yep. for produce or for for you know grocery store meat. What what are your thoughts? What's your words to the the people like that? Really, I mean, the only thing I can think of is don't don't bash it till you try it. I mean, you you can you know, have these opinions on hunting and fishing and whatnot, but what I feel like people just need to get out, get in the outdoors and, mm-hmm. and see what it's about, you know, and understand that hunting and fishing is conservation. It's not going out and, mm-hmm. you know, killing deer just for the hell of it. You know, I think, I think when people understand that it's ethical, the way the, the methods that are used, they're ethical methods and, you know, law enforcement ensures that it is, or they, they try to, <laughs> yeah. they try to, you know, yeah. they try to ensure that, you know, well, the fines are, are hefty. Yeah, they're, if you they're, get busted for something, there, even for not having your license, yeah. like there are fines. They're trying to ensure that things or, are harvested ethically, and so I think you know, don't bash it till you try it. You know, I I wonder if people just think that they can get away with uh, tagging a deer as a redfish. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be a mistake I never make again. Oh man. Do you want to do you do you want to share that story? Or you just want to leave it at that. that. That'll be for the next episode. Be, <laughs> be, be, uh, ladies and gentlemen, be careful with uh, if you sure do go you out use and the hunt, right tag. Use the right tag. So, I mean, would you encourage like uh, you know people maybe listening? And granted, we don't have that that wide of an audience base. That being said, listeners, you know I appreciate you. The listeners know I love I love them. I wouldn't be here I wouldn't be here doing this if this was not getting listened to. So thank you, listeners. But I mean, do you encourage people to maybe reach out to the hunter or fisherman that they know and say, "Hey, like next time you bring something home, I'd love a little fillet of something, or I'd love yeah, to try or something." That even better, shot. go with them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, get absolutely. in the outdoors and try it. Do you have any advice? Like, I know buck fever is big. Oh yeah, and I, I personally. So <laughs> it makes it fun. The ranch, the ranch, right, does not have deer big enough to cause buck fever. Mm. At least for me, I'm always like, dude, gonna... I get it shooting a doe. I mean, <laughs> I, it, it doesn't matter what, I get excited. <laughs> well, no, I'm not saying I, I, I don't get excited. Like I, I love, I love getting out there, and when I'm like crosshairs on the heart. Oh, you're shaking. You're nervous. Yeah, but I've, I've never not been able to close the deal. Um. Oh, where was I going with this? I'm sorry, I got a little sidetracked. Uh, do like, do you have any advice for people who maybe are a little on the fence of like, hey, you know, I got a buddy who's invited me out to go fish or invited me out to go hunt. I know he or she keeps whatever they catch, assuming legal limits. You know, it's in season, whatever. Like, do you have advice for people who? haven't shot a deer haven't shot a pig haven't caught and killed a fish because catch and release fishing is pretty popular pretty well looked upon but i mean do you have any people or do you have any advice for people who have never brought home something that they've caught yeah i mean just have an open mind and you know be willing to go out there and try it okay i like it. it's fun i like it you'll get hooked pun intended pun intended (laughs) We we talked with the guy today, and that's that's another thing is, uh, you Nick and I were out fishing on the beach today, 
and some good old boy having a good old time. <laughs> he was having a good old, he was having a good old time on who knows what, but he drove by and he was like, "Oh man, yeah, we're we're pulling a redfish, and yeah. uh, we just caught another one, and like we're we're kayaking out baits and stuff, and like if you guys want to use our kayak, like let me know." So we drove down and got his kayak and kayaked at these baits. Like, it's not like these people are mean. No, they're the friendliest people ever. You're gonna meet some. It's a, it's yeah, it's a, it's great to meet. I mean, everyone's. You're gonna meet maybe a few bad bad eggs, yeah. but I've never met a bad fisherman. Personally, I've never met right. a bad hunter. That being said, so to close it out, Jack. What is your song recommendation for the week? Song recommendation. I mean, you can up. look. You can look. Pull up my Spotify. I'm I got a good one. I got a good one. Okay. If you want to, uh, we gotta we gotta end with a song recommendation. Yep. That's that's tried and true. Uh, out in the woods. Tell my mother I miss her so by Ryan Bingham. Tell my mother I miss her so by Ryan Bingham. Yep. He sings like uh, South Side of Heaven yep, and stuff like yep. that. Okay. Okay. I think, ladies and gentlemen, just based on the location, I got to go with Galveston by, oh, Glenn, yeah. by Glenn Campbell. How original. I got to say it. <laughs> One of my favorite times of coming down here to visit you, whether we're fishing or not, or just like being in this area, I love crossing the – Causeway? Yep. Is that what it's Causeway. Is that what it's called? The big bridge. Yep. You're driving on to Galveston Island. I always try to make sure that the first time Galveston by Glenn Campbell is playing. It's a good song. Well, it's fitting. It is. It's fitting. Yep. So do you have any final remarks? No. Anything you want to say this, to this people? This has been good, man. Thanks for thanks for hosting it. You know you have an open invite. Yep. I appreciate you sitting down, especially after this long weekend that we've had. It's been a long one. It's been late nights. We've had a lot of fun. Caught a lot of fish. Yeah. Which is good. We've eaten some fish as well. So I'm looking forward to this fight. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been I'm gonna I'm just gonna say it. I'm gonna say it. And if the past gets past guests get a little butt hurt, well that's their invite to come back on. This has been one of my more fun podcasts. I love doing face to face. I appreciate you sticking through. I know the audio is probably not as ideal as it normally would be. That being said, uh, thank you guys so much for listening. And as always, cheers and God bless.